right, so the morons over on Twitter.com, they gave me enough likes to give you another cold open. If you're unfamiliar, go to our episode covering sex criminals to get what I think is one of our most iconic and relatable moments on the podcast. It was a time when the listeners felt seen, heard, and itched. And today I have a much different kind of cold open because I was reminded of that Doctor Who character. I am not a Doctor Who fan. I want to be. There's just so much of it that it feels scary. A little bit like X-Men, where like once you're in, I'm sure it's great, but like getting in, you're like, how the hell do I get into this? But it's my understanding there is a, a character that is made of skin with just a face, and she says, moisturize me. I don't know what her name is. Uh, and if you know the name, you're allowed to chime in. No, no, I, I just want to, I, I know the name. I want this to keep going, though. Okay, so Miss Moisturization came across my timeline, and I said, oh, oh, Vietnam flashback. And I remembered when I was a freshman in college, I was a fuckboy. There's no other way around it, okay? And every little duckling fuckboy at the ripe old age of a freshman in college goes, how do I woo women? And there are those who start playing the acoustic guitar and they're like, you know what a bitch loves? Wonderwall. And I'm like, none of them love it. None of them love Wonderwall. And then there's the guys who are like, I bet if I get really into philosophy, women will like me. And it's like, Andrew Tate is not philosophy. And it's like, damn it. And then... There are the gentleman scholars like myself who are like, I've always really liked to draw and I've never really done it to flirt, but like makes me seem artsy and cool. And so it came up once while I was on a date that I was like, oh, I love to draw. And she's like, oh, my gosh, what if you drew a portrait of me? And I, in my head, I was like, I've never really been like a draw portraits of people kind of guy. But then I was like, yeah, that'd be awesome. In my head, I was like, bro, you draw dragons and superheroes. What are you what are you taking on here? But so I go home with my little stylus in my iPad and procreate. And I was like, all right, well, you can draw some like eyeballs and some lips and like just draw what you're good at. I like I tried to draw her and it looked horrible. And I was like, shit. And so then I was like, what if I went for like this minimalist aesthetic like what if i just did like a really detailed pair of eyes and lips and like and then like a nose oh no i'm bad at noses okay so it's like eyes and lips and like we'll put it over like a tanned background and i was like this is pretty great i was like i think i unlocked something damn like art holy shit i would take me on a second date with this one I save it, send it over to her, full of confidence. My friend walks past me and just says, moisturize me, as he looked over my shoulder at the picture. And I was like, what? And he's like, bro, you drew the character from Doctor Who, right? And I was like, what? And he like pulls up, he's like, look, it's the exact same. And I was like, no! And I never heard from that girl again. I was, I like, send it, I texted it to her. And that kid is how I met your mother. And then, like, a few days later, I texted, like, are you there? And she never responded once. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. <laughs> you 
<laughs> like you're drawing the Mona Lisa, but you made this girl into Lady fucking Cassandra. And you're like, please. Oh, it was so good. Hey, this look, if, you, if, me. if she was a Whovian, you would have been in. <laughs> that would have been end of story. It was not. It was very funny. And it was also probably the last time I drew seriously. <laughs> I was pretty embarrassed. That sounds absolutely traumatizing. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. That is, yeah, um, there you go. Nice little cold open <laughs> that, for the fans. Yeah. That character, by the way, um, canonically trans, and I hate it. <laughs> it is so, so awful. When you get into Doctor Who, 2005 was a different time. It was fun. I mean, as a comic book fan, I don't know anything about books that age poorly. Or oh, art no, made no. in the year 2005. I still try to figure out why things made in the year 1999 for me is like, oh, well, like it was a different time, like whatever. But like if it's made in 2001, I was like, what the hell were you doing? Like you <laughs> knew better than this. And then someone like taps you on the so- shoulder is just like 9-11. You're like, oh, OK, yeah. that explains it. That explains like, everything. I was like, I'm from Utah. It doesn't mean a shit to me. <laughs> I remember right after moving to New York, I was like, all right, I'm probably going to get canceled right here. But like, like a 9-11 joke has definitely like gone past my lips mm-hmm. before, you know, <laughs> and I whipped one out here right after moving to New York. Someone like said something. I was just like, eh, with like a little thing. And like the whole room was like, <laughs> And I was like, ooh, okay, not not a yeah, silly a sensitive, I see. <laughs> ooh, okay. Well too soon. Ooh. I I love that for you. That sounds exactly they like something just you would you do. right back to your state you came from with that one. They did. They turned me around. They said, Get out of here, you gobba fool. And they hit me on the <laughs> ass and sent me back to Utah. <laughs> Oh, and, I, and I said, I want to go home. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I want to go home. <laughs> well, with that being yeah. said, everyone. Hello. How are you? Welcome back. If you want to leave, I don't blame you. But <laughs> welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we read and discuss. Oh, discuss. Wow. Discuss. Sean Connery. A collection of comic books uh, or a graphic novel sometimes. Um, I'm your host, Lexi. I'm Anne. And I'm Dallas. And I just realized on this most recent watch through of Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, that Sean Connery and Harrison Ford slept, both slept with that Nazi lady. My whole life, I didn't get that like that was what was they were having a fight about when he was like, she could have been your granddaughter. I was like, don't know what that means. Word. And it was three months ago that I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> they both moved. A Nazi lady. Yep. Oh. So sorry you had that revelation. I wish you could have stayed innocent forever. I also wish I could stay innocent forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every bad thing happened to me because of someone else. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Lexi, what are we talking about? Apparently nothing, goddammit. Lexi's <laughs> <laughs> oh. like, I brought oh, the yeah. sauce this time. And I actually too. did my research just in case the person who wrote this damn book actually listened, okay? Oh, I boy. hate you all. <laughs> if oh, you're boy. here, 
I'm sorry. <laughs> I am not affiliated with this podcast. No, I quit. I quit two weeks ago. I shouldn't even be here. Mr. Snyder, we will put in timestamps so you can skip all the nonsense if you wish. Dallas, you got timestamps. Thank you very much. I appreciate you. Timestamps is zero to eight minutes and 19 seconds. Tomfoolery. (laughs) Absolute shenanigans. Hoodlum behavior. (laughs) Oh my goodness. People are like, release the hoodlum cut. It's just the face palm emoji. <laughs> Guaranteed 10 more minutes of tomfoolery. I just have to say, also, right off the top, my favorite part about us recording every week is how many TikTok memes I get sent from Dallas's wife from the other room. It's like yeah. 75. <laughs> I just got like four in a row. But yeah. anyway, everyone, without further ado, we are talking about Justice League The Sixth Dimension by Scott Snyder and Jorge Jimenez. Jimenez. I, sorry. Forgive me. I have sinned. Um, but no, that's what we're talking about, everybody. It was kind of a little bit out of left field for me, Dallas. I said, mm-hmm. Dallas, I want to read a, spi- a Superman, not a Spider-Man. Fuck Spider-Man. Also <laughs> fuck Superman, but <laughs> with love. There um, we go. But I was like, I want to read a Superman. And so he said, okay, Weenie, here's a article with like the top 10 best Supermans or whatever, according to that article. And this is the one that had the most exciting picture associated with it. So I picked it. And it was a win. I got to say, it was a win. Uh, I'm a fan. It was pretty good. A little, I had absolutely no thoughts going into this. Again, surprise, mm-hmm. surprise. Um, but all I have to say is... Dilf Superman in a white suit, kiss, even if he wasn't real. Spoiler. Did you feel hindered at all picking up an issue 19 of a comic book? Or did it do a good job of just drop you in, off to the races? Honestly, I kind of forgot that it was 19 through like 25. It just felt like it was its own little thing. And it felt like such a good introduction to everything that happens after that I would read the rest of it. I don't know if I will, because I say that often and then don't, but I would. So, much love. <laughs> the willingness is there, and yeah, that's what matters. Yeah, it's the thought yeah. that counts, right? Exactly. What did everybody else think? I'm so curious, because this was so random of me to pick. So, It was, but it was really cool. I, I liked seeing randomness from you. That was awesome. I The sixth dimension in this Justice League run as a whole... I have weird feelings about because it was in a time when I was like kind of loosely following DC. I was trying to get like my life sorted. Comics were like definitely on the the sideline until like the pandemic started. Comics had taken like kind of a backseat in my life and I'm just like loosely following along. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll catch up when I catch up. And I read this book through in trades and it's, it was hard for me because I, I expected one thing out of Snyder's run and I felt like I got something completely different it felt very different from how he approached a book like Batman, where it's like Batman felt very um, Gotham centric, very contained, very grounded at times. But then you get to Justice League and everything's just like, okay, we're going off the rails. We're going cosmic as shit. And (laughs) there's going to be random things happening all the time. What Dallas? Yes. I want to chime in. So something that I found out talking with Scott, uh, which by the way, as you're listening to this, 
look down in the feed, I released a 30-minute conversation me and Scott just had. We recorded a phone call we had, and it should be on this. It should be fun. But um, he talked about with his Batman run that he basically was under the impression he was going to be fired after every single story arc. And so... He was like, I might as well just make a bunch of contained stories that can sit on people's shelves forever that will be my legacy. He's like, like if you pick up The Court of the Owls, like nothing else, like you can know that's great. If you pick up Death of the Family, like nothing else, you can know that's great. And by the time he worked on to Justice League, he's like, I'm not going anywhere. He's like, so I want to lean into what I think is the most uniquely comic book thing in the world. And that is that it's part of a 75 year ongoing story that feels bigger than what you're reading right now. He's like, the very best comics I ever read that made me fall in love with comics as a child were the ones that I felt like I didn't have to know anything else reading it, but they made me feel like I was in a much bigger place than what the book had in front of it. Mm-hmm. And so he, that was his approach to Justice League. And I think it's cool to hear you point that out. They're like, his Batman felt very contained and Justice League felt huge. And I was like, that's exactly what he wanted. Oh, that's awesome. It's always good when I'm like, <laughs> I'm in the right direction. I'm, I can't wait to hear that conversation actually happen. There's, um, but yeah, talking about how this feels like the ongoing um, aspect of a 75 year story, this feels like what, <laughs> not to ding on a current DC book, but this is what it feels like they were telling um, people that Dark Crisis was supposed to be in the fact that it's like a sequel to Crisis on Infinite Earths. Getting a backstory to the creation of the DC universe and to the origins of these characters that have been around forever that have been such integral aspects of the DC comics mythos, like the Monitor and the Anti-Monitor and the introduction of the, um, what was his name? The Forger? Like the... World Forger. Yeah, okay. And... That was that's very cool to me. I like it when DC plays on the things that make it really unique and special. And I think it's multiverse and the the history of that is is one of those things. I love harkening back to Crisis in that way, and it does so so well and in such a fun comic booky way. Where you have moments where the Justice League is teaming up with future versions of the Legion of Doom to fight their way off a prison world run by Lois Lane and Darkseid's flying a spaceship. And it's so, so cool. It's, there's there's a lot to enjoy in this comic. And it's a beautiful comic to, be, to boot. Um, Jorge Jimenez. Fucking fantastic. And the everything about Superman in the story... It's one of those panels, one of those pages that's going to go down in time as one of the best of. And it's a shame because I feel like that moment, that panel is great, but it's nothing without the issues and the moments that precede it and build up to that. As you're going through each and every single dimension and we're talking about what they are and what they mean to Superman. And then it gets to that ultimate climactic moment. And um, yeah, I don't want to jump too much into that without giving Dallas and Lexi both more time to talk. So I'm going to pass it back over. (laughs) Yeah. Can I go Lex? Absolutely. Go for it. I was going to say it's your turn. So this comic to me is everything I want from a justice league story. Justice league comics for me are kind of hit and miss, not because they lack any quality, but because I feel like I have to be in the right mindset. The Justice League feels like something that I can't follow month to month without being like, okay, that's enough. Like the world stakes are ending, whatever. 
But when I'm in that mood and I sit down and I'm like, I want to see something bigger than I've ever seen. And I want to see my favorite characters pull off something that they could never do without each other. There's no better place than a Justice League comic. And I think this one, and then I was telling Alexis off air, Grant Morrison's first little arc on Justice League. Those are my two favorite Justice League stories ever. Because I feel like everybody gets a chance to shine. The artwork's impeccable. The writing's impeccable. And diving back into this storyline in a vacuum, because I read all of Scott Snyder's Justice League as it was coming out, and I really liked it. It kind of gets a weird rap online that I'm confused about because people will actively be like, oh, yeah, that run was bad. But then every single page from that book that is ever put up online goes super viral. And I'm like, you all just I don't understand it. You all clearly like what's in the book. Why are you saying you don't like the book? But all of that other people's opinions aside, I love this story. Six Dimension is my favorite part. I was texting Scott earlier in the week and he said this is his favorite part of the whole run. And that made me smile. I was like, oh, hell yeah. Like it is the best part. You're, you're right about which one is the best part. And it's just a blast. I think Jorge Jimenez is one of the most exciting and best uh, artists working in comics right now. And his, I watched a mini documentary about him today that made me love him so much more. And Superman is his favorite superhero of all time. He gets a story writing credit on this arc because the Superman stuff in it was his idea. Like it's a story he wanted to tell about Superman. And Scott was like, yeah, we can work that into like a larger narrative together. And so I just think it was fun to see someone who is so creatively fertile playing with their favorite character to create something this cool. That is always so fun. I also, I just have to say thank you, Anne, for being nice to the Justice League. <laughs> I know it's sometimes painful. Do you know what's funny? Pain. Do you know what's funny? <laughs> yes. Pain. Huh? Flames, Pain. flames inside my head. Well, oh, wow. <laughs> okay, so starting that sentence over. My wife usually asks me on Saturday or Sunday, what are you doing on the podcast this week? And I usually tell her, and she's whip sharp at saying whose book is whose. And I went, oh, I'm just reading like a Justice League thing. And she went, oh, it's Anne's pick this time? And I went, no, actually, <laughs> Lexus's. And she went, that's super off the wall. And I went, I know. <laughs> I also thought it was off the wall, but it's great. I and do have so to say, I think this is my best pick so far. I actually mm -hmm. enjoyed my pick for once. <laughs> oh, no. But do you not like your pick sometimes? Sometimes. I'm like, ah, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, that hasn't happened that often. Um, but no, this one really was like super, super fun. And I, I will say, it, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I really do genuinely love the Justice League. I kind of was introduced to them at a very young age with like the different TV shows, cartoons, movies, all of that. Like they're the ones that you see that are like, yeah, these are the fucking superheroes. These are the bitches that are going to come in and win. And so to see a comic where for a second there, I thought that Superman wasn't going to win was real rough. <laughs> I was going to throw my phone across the thing, across the room. I was over it. But just like just that, that build. Ooh. Just that beef jerky Superman. 
that's like mm-hmm. floating out in space before it all comes together, you're like, he looks so decrepit. Oh, he looks no! like dry ramen noodles, ready to crack. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he's looks like someone just put chocolate to his front door and he's trying to figure out what it is. Chocolate. <laughs> I. <sighs> adore this story so much and i think i've had a little bit of a crisis recently where i'm like i think more of my favorite superhero comics are dc comics when i like the ongoing story i like better is marvel comics like there are always more marvel comics in my poll list than dc but like if gun to my head if you're like what are your three favorite superhero comics they would probably all be dc comics Mm -hmm. and i was like what does this mean about me i was like what is happening and the real answer is like it you shouldn't be a tribalist you should just like what you like mm-hmm. but i think there's an iconography and to the dc comics universe that lets these characters be just pure embodiments of what it means to be a superhero mm-hmm. like the prototypical superhero the superhero that invented it all was superman and it is such a pure and powerful idea that he is still pertinent today he is still the best superhero in the world like how many things truly nailed it on the first try and no one else ever improved on it like there are tons of examples i can think of like oh well like you're supposed to love citizen kane because it was the first one to do this thing and that Mm -hmm. is cool but like i think little women 2019 better than citizen kane oh yeah frankly (laughs) but like i I think citizen kane is on like the 46th 47th on my list of favorite movies I've watched this year. <laughs> but like it's it's very cool to see how they revolutionized. Oh, I yeah. acknowledge that we don't have modern movies without it. Mm-hmm. But Superman is as good right now as he was back then. Like there's still no one better than Superman. There's still nothing that I loved in that documentary I watched. Jorge Jimenez talked about the scene where Superman in issue 19 is about to go into the sixth dimension. And they're all like, you don't know what's there. What's going on? And he just turns around. And he's like, it's okay. Like I, it's going to be okay. And then he just goes through and you can see on all their faces. Like, okay, well, Superman said it's okay. So it's going to be okay. And he yeah, says, he's that's the one he, reassuring the other heroes. Uh-huh. And that's he, so crazy. Jorge Jimenez just said his major goal when drawing Superman is to make you feel relieved that he's on the page just by how he carries himself. But then I love about that specific scene. He said, that's superhero comics. He's like, that's what it is. He's like, that exact scene of like, hey, it's going to be okay. I'll take care of it. And no one does that better than Superman. It's so true. Uh, yeah, beautifully said. And I think that's, I think that iconography, that special thing that DC Comics characters can bring, I think that's like what makes stories like this so special. What makes those that do stand out, stand out as strongly as they do. And it's what makes the ones that fall short of that feel so disappointing. Because you know the gold standard that these characters can get to and the special things that can only be told with these characters in these stories. And I think the sixth dimension embodies that a lot. I feel like a lot of people don't like the Scott Snyder run because we just gotten off so much um the big run before that was probably the john's run and that was a very grounded league in the way that um it was more character focused than like spectacle focused i think and a lot in the snyder run is very larger than life it's it reminds me a lot of the um the stakes in the morrison run in that way where it's like you're having crazy imps and you're having giant cosmic gods and all this fun madness that's like, if you don't read it slowly and take it all in, you can probably, you'll probably miss a beat or two. 
And I think that puts some people off sometimes. But it's one of the things where you sit down and you just take time to take the story in. It resonates that much more strongly. Lex, what is the name of that fifth dimensional imp that showed up? How do you pronounce it? I don't fucking know. I just started calling him Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> Outstanding. It's Dallas, how do you and say some it? letters and some numbers. <clears throat> I say Mrs. Pitlick. Thank you. Damn. That's I was doing this. I do that too because it's just the way he said it in the Superman animated show. And I once Googled how to say oh. Mrs. Pitlick. And it's like, here it is, that one clip. And I've just carried that with me. And I, every time I hear someone say Mixelplick, I look at him like that's not what that's that's not what that spells. You, I don't know where you're getting the plick from because there is definitely a T right there. But thank you for trying. Oh, that's it's my... definitely it's definitely Pitlick. Sometimes an L slips in where the Z goes for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. It'll be like Mitzel Pitlick, but then I'm like, no, there's a Z. You can do this. Mitz is Pitlick. Call him Mitzi. So they're Mitzi. What did you think of Mitzi, Lex? <laughs> Lex, um, i in the chat the um the cheat code for how to say his name. No, I'm not even going to do it, Anne. I'm not. Nope. Nope. Mitzi. Up, down, back, back, X, Y. And you got it. Cheat code. Cheat code for life right there. Yeah. Now, Alexis, I'm going to use Sinestro against you in justice until you get it right. Oh, damn you. That was some childhood trauma right there. Childhood trauma. That game. That's why we weren't friends for 10 years. Uh, <laughs> no, but um, he was kind of like weird. I mean, at the beginning, I was like, what is the, what is the Justice League doing? Trapping this little tiny man in a, in a glass ball, like freaking Sandman. What is going on here? Um, but no, he, it was kind of fun. It, I mean, I'm always a big fan of like mystical stories. I mean, that's not. A secret. I always love the fantasy comics that we read. And so to have like this little magic man at the beginning of a Justice League, I was like, oh, what did I get myself into here? Who stole this little man's lucky charms? And what is he doing in this world? <laughs> um, but no, I feel like it was a really fun kickstart way to start the comic, but also to kind of switch back and forth with because we we kind of have the two stories going on. Like, we see him basically throughout the entire thing, which is fun to me. Um, especially, what is the little... Um, I do have to say, honorable mention for my favorite character in this entire comic book is the little Robin Starfish. Don't know where he came from, what he is, Jaro. but I just, hope that he, I just hope that he gets to be Batman's favorite Robin. He deserves it. That is such a good page. It was. Yeah. Just calls him dad. He goes, why'd you call me that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It felt right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I'm sure that good things happen to the character. And keep it to yourself if that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell by your goddamn tone that something terrible happens. <laughs> I Shush. have no tone, actually. Um, hmm. Thank you. He's just a baby. Yes. I hope all... Was. Five. Oh, I hope all five of his little <laughs> arms stay on his body. Four. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> See, now I'm just messing with you. Now now, now it's mean. Okay, I'm done. I promise. Oh, sus. Uh, mm-hmm. No, but honestly, the shenanigans that this little tiny gremlin gets into with um, Mira is one of them. Who's the little blonde punk that hangs out with Star-Man. them? Starman. Starman. Yeah, one of them. There's like 
eight of them. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But those two trying to wrangle the little gremlin back into where he was going, where he was originally, mm-hmm. quite entertaining. Quite, quite a fun beat in the middle of cosmic meltdown. Quite great. What did you think of the other half, the big cosmic story, the Superman story? Like, if this was on a list of best Superman stories ever, talk a little bit about what it did for you on the Superman side. Honestly, for me, I mean, I also watched a couple little mini interviews with Scott and also read some interviews. And this one, for me, felt like... How do I want to put this? Like a friendship love story between Batman and Superman because it like builds up Superman as this character. And we'll see, I mean, we see towards the end that um, it kind of sets it up for this big Batman betrayal. But in the long run, I mean, Batman always knows what the fuck's going on because it's Batman. And I will never say on the podcast that I love him, but I will just leave that to the masses to think of. Um, but there's just so much with superman like we initially see him um basically banished by this quote-unquote evil poser superman that i called him because i can't remember his real name ever um but he like basically plops superman down onto this planet is like hey you can live here you're gonna slowly lose all of your powers because you're just far enough from a star that it'll like keep you alive, but you're gonna be fucking useless and feel miserable the entire time. Um, and so he's like, "There you go, time out. See you later." And we get this like try and try again with Superman. Like you just know he is trying his hardest to escape this planet, but he just can't. He keeps falling. It's just like this blow by blow by blow every time. You're like, ah. Damn it, Superman. Like, come on, you can do it. You're you're Superman. And it kind of just like has that build of like, you know that this character is he's the like, he's the man. Like he is always the one that gets it done. And so just to see him fail and fail and fail um progressively until we start kind of getting these like snapshot back stories for him a little bit with his family, with his son, and for initially they seemed a little bit out of the blue for me a little bit i was like oh this is kind of cute like all right having a little father son day with his little this little tiny superman um and they they just have this moment where they all come together and you kind of i feel like the underlying theme of that moment was just like the justice league is they're like they're a family they're that's the league like they're all together that's the whole point of them and it comes together to be this big thing where in reality batman basically set up a way for superman to escape if superman could just go the distance dallas has his hand raised i will pass the time to dallas i think there's a great quote from scott snyder about exactly what you're saying he says it's says pretty openly that there's a justice league because they help each other imagine things that they wouldn't be able to 
do individually. They help each other see past the boundaries of their own expectations. Here, Superman might not be able to see through the darkness without the suns and the lanterns that Batman sets up for him, and Batman can't see a solution to fixing the multiverse beyond what the World Forger pitches. He agrees with the World Forger, but he knows that his friend Superman might be able to show him another way, so he sets a path for him to come back. It's all about saying, I can't find a solution for myself, but with my friends, I might be able to imagine something new I couldn't have seen otherwise. Yes. Oh, I love that quote so much. Oh. I forgot that you had sent me that because that was such a <laughs> banger. It like literally, that literally, I couldn't have put it better myself. I That's, mean, I would have thought yeah. that the person that wrote it put it better, but <laughs> good for you, I guess, Scott. It's fine. So, so, you know, that's nice, but can they see why kids love Cinnamon Toast Crunch? <laughs> I love Cinnamon um, Toast Crunch. Wait, what's that look for? <laughs> I just I'm spoiled trying to rem- I'm quote. Try- <laughs> No, I'm just... <laughs> I was just failing to see the connection, and I was like, fireflies in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> Superman Ooh. flies so high. <laughs> Oh. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Gotta love the Superman power up while he's blasting through all those suns. That's that so badass. You know, I, I'm not the type of person to keep the like top tie the top five like best punches in comics. But holy shit. That was one of them. <laughs> that was one of them. <laughs> Seeing his um his silhouette glow grow bigger and bigger in the reflection of the world forger's eye and then the next page is just the entire crust of the planet breaking apart (laughs) and you're like damn and then the next page superman's like hey bro you okay (laughs) hey hey, buddy get up come here we we gotta talk let's hold hands and go back through the portal together (laughs) (laughs) that's how to make friends and influence people exactly you're right. You're exactly right. I liked that the point of that moment, though, was like within all the talk about dimensions, it was to talk about how Superman is not a one dimensional character and specifically mm-hmm. that he's not a one dimensional character because of how he has been affected by his past and how he affects the people in his future. Like he mm-hmm. I think something that I tend to chafe against a certain kind of Superman fan about is that I don't need Superman to be relatable. I need him to be aspirational. I want Superman to be the Superman. I want him to be better than me. I want him to be better than everyone else around him. And I want the story to be about how we all measure up to him. Like when I read this story, there was no like dark moment of the soul about whether or not Superman was going to do the wrong thing. That was Batman's story. Superman's story was how is he going to overcome insurmountable odds? And I loved the storytelling beat of Superman being worried that his decision to always do like the wholesome right thing is what was going to hurt them. He's like, do I have to be morally gray like Batman to succeed? Is me being Superman something that ultimately doesn't make sense. And that seems to be a question that fandom has at the moment is can Superman make sense if he isn't conflicted, if he is actually just a beacon. And I think this story, and I think my opinion of Superman is absolutely not Superman is the most aspirational figure that America has churned out. Certainly. I think he is our best export 
that we've ever created. And I think he's something that's bright for the world because he says it is always right to do what is right. I wrote down a quote from Jorge Jimenez that put me on my ass. He said, the moment you choose to take the harder road to do the right thing, you are Superman. And I have never heard a better distillation of what a character is and what this story meant to me about Superman. Yeah, I have to say like one of my absolute favorite parts of this comic was actually like within the first two, three pages, just when like Clark gets the call and they're like, yo, get your ass down here. And he's like talking to him as he's flying. And then he just like stops a bus, picks up a little dog, hands it to the kid and keeps going. I was like, that is the epitome of Superman. Like he is like, okay, I'm on my way to help with this life-changing event that's probably going to put us all on our asses. But here, let me save this little dog in front of a bus for this little kid while I'm on my way. I mean, I'm already there. I'm on my way, you know? And I just can't help but feel like I just love Superman's character so much. I love what he stands for. I love that it's never a question with him, like exactly what Dallas said. He's always going to do the right thing. And I just love that. I love I love the little moments with Superman like that because this is a character where everyone's like um, the idea of absolute power corrupts absolutely he is the character who is beyond all else. He is infinitely powerful. He is infinitely fast, infinitely destructive if he wanted to be, but he's not. He's the type of person who will take the time out of his day to get the kitten out of the tree, you know? And it's, I'm trying to find a way to say, <laughs> say it in a way that you two haven't already perfectly put it. He is just the idea that if you, can be the best person you can be that gives you all the power in the world and it's the way that you choose to use it that matters exactly i think every great superman story has in common at its core the decision by superman to do the harder right thing i think a lot of people wonder how power scaling goes in, how like the level of threat goes in. But ultimately all you have to do is present Superman with something that seems insurmountable and something that were he not morally upright, he could get around. And yet he proves to you within the narrative that he will Mm -hmm. accomplish the impossible the right way. That's the kind of person I want to be. That's the kind of person I want to put out in front of me and say, I'm going to be that way someday. And I think that is what we should expect from our fiction. Like I Mm -hmm. like relatable. I like seeing myself on the page. But ultimately, if I ever stop reading superhero comics, I'm never going to stop admiring and looking up to Superman. Mm Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we as readers put too much of an emphasis on things like um, relatability and stakes, especially I, because a lot of people talk about how can Superman be interesting? How can he be interesting if he's above us? How can he be interesting if nothing can beat him? And I feel like it's a, it's a bit of like, you're making up the, you're making up an imaginary enemy. Cause if you really think about it, no story has stakes in the way that you want it to. You only feel like it does. 
because you're like, well, Batman's just a person, so he can be hurt more easily. Forget the fact that Batman's still going to win in 99% of the stories that he's in, because that's how storytelling works as a whole. That's how being the protagonist works. That's how story structure works. It's just, you need to think more about what the story is trying to tell you along the way. Sometimes it, how the good guy wins and how he gets there isn't as important as what it's trying to tell you along the along the way. I think I stumbled a little bit there at the end, but I think I got that across. No, that makes sense. That was good. Because I also feel like we do get to see that through this comic. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like to kind of shed a little bit more light on what I was saying earlier with like the Batman, Superman, best friend love story basically is going on here. Um we like re- yeah no kidding they're bas- basically just kiss already god oh yeah um <laughs> but no batman knows that he agrees that's the bottom line like we see that in the comic like they have said it multiple times like batman's on the same page as the big bad but he also knows that superman thinks differently than he does he's like that mm-hmm. is our greatest strength together is that were different. Like, I know that in this story, technically right now, I'm the bad guy and everybody's going to think I'm the bad guy, but that's fine. I'm going to set us up for a better way to figure it out. And I feel like that's also very, it was very interesting to me to see like that kind of twist at the end, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. Cause I, they had me going there for a second. I was like, God damn, Batman. <laughs> I know you're bad, but what the hell? I didn't think you were like world ender bad. Um, <laughs> I guess that's what happens when all of your kids mm-hmm. succeed and you didn't actually really like them to begin with. Um, <laughs> gotta set them up, I guess. But no, I just feel like it was so, it was like, just it just felt like such a win when I, when I realized that Batman was the one that set up for Superman to win. I was like, oh, yes, yes. The ultimate BFFs are back together again. It just was, it was just so good. I loved it. Um, can I talk a little bit about Jorge Jimenez's artwork? Oh, yes, please. Yes, please. Go for it. Um, yeah, so I want to I wanna break down the craft of this comic book because this comic rules. We've been talking about the story beats, how they swell us with joy. Uh, I think Scott Snyder did such a great job of writing these characters and their characterization. But so much of my enjoyment in this comic book came from how incredible of an artist Jorge Jimenez is. So if you're unaware, Jorge Jimenez is hands down the most handsome man in comics. But that aside, he comes from Spain and he's a he's been working in the comics industry about 10 years. He basically grew up wanting to be an artist, realized that he didn't really have what it took after going to art school. And they wanted him to draw like very mechanically, very like measure out all your brush strokes and that didn't work for him. So he's like, I'm going to go be a PE teacher. And then he's like, I'm never going to be happy unless I give it my best. Like he's like, I've wanted to draw Superman since I was five years old. So he's like, so I applied what I've learned as an athlete to art. And I just forced myself to work at it till I was good enough. And he like joined this art. He basically looked up all the professional comic book people that lived in his section of Spain and was like, we're all going to be friends now. And we're all going to rent a studio where we all work together and help each other with our art. And he's like, they pushed me so hard. He's like, I would work so hard. And then they'd look and they'd be like, that's a good first try. Like it'll get there. And he's like, Oh no, I've been working on this. 
But it pushed him to the point where he is now, I think, inarguably one of the top three superhero artists working right now. I think he has a really clean line. I think that he, just listening to him talk, he understands the importance of iconography. He talked about how every drawing of Batman, he wants you to feel how anxious Batman is because Batman is so intelligent. He wants you to see that Batman is like, this could all go wrong, but like, I'm not, I'm holding it together. I can carry the burden of the being the brains of this organization. He said he always wants you to feel a little bit intimidated by how confident Wonder Woman is. He's like, he wants you to be like, okay, she'll, she'll kick some ass. And then like I referenced earlier, he wants Superman to be the, okay, we're going to be okay. He wants, and I think he does show that through the body language of these characters. I think he does demonstrate by how he draws them, their internality in a way that sells these stories. When Superman is throwing that big punch that everyone knows the page for, it's the raw emotion on Superman's face. All the storytelling is happening right there due to the artwork. You can see, literally see the triumph on his face. And I think that comes from Jorge Jimenez talked about the most important aspect to him when he's drawing a person is the eyes. He always spends the most amount of time on the eyes and he wants, he like once I knew that I started looking at all of his panels and being like, their eyes tell the whole story. You can see it somehow. This is crazy. And I also, I really liked, he talked about how he found that his work was somewhat derivative because he was just trying to do what everyone else was doing. He's like, I would see something cool that someone else would do. And I would just try and do that. He's like, and then I realized I had nothing unique to say. And I think that's something I've noticed in writers a lot where I was like, oh, you're just doing what such and such does. But for artists, I haven't noticed that as much. And so it's cool to hear an artist notice, like, I have to be inventive. I have to change things. He's like, and so I started looking at artists outside of comic books. I started to look at like classical paintings and be like, how do they show how capes drape? How do they show how like explosions happen? And you can just feel on the page the 10,000 plus hours that this man has put into being the best artist possible because he loves Superman and wants to do Superman justice. It's a really great, um, yeah, it's DC Showcase Jorge Jimenez. There's a 30-minute documentary about him that is incredible. I highly recommend watching it just to see the amount of care and precision this man puts mm-hmm. into his work. We could probably link it in the description, couldn't we? Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Dallas can do that. <laughs> Dallas can do that. We'll see if he I does. remember. <laughs> he won't. <laughs> you won't. You will not. It's all right. You we do. apologize in advance. I will admit, though, I'm going through and I'm looking at every single panel of this much, much more closely. It's and so beautiful. It's, it's. I didn't even realize how right you were, but there's that overall, that arching like theme between all those characters. Every panel of Wonder Woman is intimidating. Every panel of Batman, he is that is an anxious motherfucker. He looks like he forgot he he's left the stove on at home and he can't stop thinking about it. And he's like, I just hope Alfred catches it in time. Um he's stressed and John just looks like he's surprised by everything. John's like, this is not what I expected. This is not the Tuesday I was hoping for. True. I also I really liked Jorge Jimenez said he never wanted 
his pages to feel busy in a way that distracts from the story. He wants mm-hmm. them to feel real and fleshed out, but like he wants a central image in every panel that's like, this is where the story's happening. Like he has very clean panels, so you're never confused reading his comics. And I think there are people that make very messy panels that are very fun, but I think Jorge Jimenez is correct in just this kind of superhero comic, the like good old superhero comics. I think his instincts are right to take this Mm -hmm. gigantic cosmic wackiness. He's like, you have to have something to focus on in every panel so you don't get lost in all of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's all, it's all fantastic. We also talk about just, Alejandro Sanchez on colors for this book. Oh, they so beautiful. It's vibrant and pretty. And okay, go ahead. (laughs) They're good friends that work in that same studio. Really? So Jorge will finish it and then he will pass it over and then he'll come over and they'll talk through what, how they want the colors to go. And specifically, I I know that they talked about bright colors being essential to superheroes like superman's Mm -hmm. shield specifically jorge menace says that will always be bright he's like no matter what else is going on like brightest yellows brightest reds like i want that to pop because that is superheroes and i just i love how he unabashedly loves superheroes and he wants to make oh yeah he doesn't want to elevate superheroes outside of superheroes he wants to make the best damn superhero iconography that has ever existed and it's fabulous. It's such a small detail. I love the way that things shine in this. Like, I'm just looking at Wonder Woman and the gold on her just sparkles. Oh, she um, slaps. The, yeah, she slaps. She She's looks so, so good. I so love this old Wonder design. Woman. I said, good for you. You look good, old lady. <laughs> I don't always love it, but he's really making me love this rebirth design for Wonder Woman. And the um, I love on the World Forger, the blues that like glow like um neon, like he's a deep sea organism or something. I love that so much. And going back to Jorge for a second, I love the way he draws motion. It's a single panel. It's a small panel. But when white, I'm going to call him white Superman. I'm not sure if that's the future Superman. When he lands on the Justice League's like mental table, you can feel the power in that. And it's intimidating. It makes you go, oh, shit. And oh, this, yeah, sorry. No, that's that's about that. And I've already talked about how amazing the punch is and how you can feel it so, so hard. I'm, I do not envy the world forger at all. A little detail that I love when Superman first sees the sunshine that got left behind and he blasts through the middle of that first sun. He comes out on the other side with his two arms out to the side, like the very first splash page in all-star Superman. I I was thinking that same thing. Yeah, an intentional reference to the very mm-hmm. first two-page splash of All-Star Superman. Another another small detail. Um, it's the, I think, the final issue when Superman's just standing outside in the rain and you can see the shield through his shirt because the rain's coming down and soaking it. That was wonderful. Lexi, are there any panels that really stood out to you? Any moments that, like, took your breath away? I have to say, like... Um same page as like him bursting through that first sun with his arms out but like when you can see him getting more healthy with the sun like when he looks like a skeleton to him growing to being like legitimately superman and he's coming to kill you um that 
that for me was like such mm-hmm. a good deal. I was like, oh, yes. Like, here we go. We're, he's going to go <laughs> beat some bitches up. Alexis oh, is like, let's go. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, the moment right before that, he looks like such a goddamn farm boy. He's like, this is the most incredible thing ever. I feel yeah. great. And then it's game time. Yeah, and then. Like, oh the sunshine and then he's like all right bitches (laughs) (laughs) the um and then a couple pages later the tired and exhausted lois lane we've seen for like the last several issues just the hope reignite in her eyes Hmm. yeah especially because she had such a mean like a mean speech about him earlier oh yeah then, then you know that was so fake she loves yeah. him. She loves him she so much. She loves him so much. She can't even see his face. She no. just she just sees the shield and instantly she believes again. And I thought that was such a cool small moment. I really don't think there's any other character from modern fiction that is as important uh, to me as Superman. Mm-hmm. I think that Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster are two of the most important people of the 20th century because of this gift that they gave to the world. Because, and I, I like this quote from Scott Snyder about what he's trying to accomplish with this justice league. He said, that's what this book is about on a personal level for me too. My kids are growing up right now in a time where there are these tremendous challenge, tremendously challenging global problems that feel like they're going to require a tremendous amount of unity and collective imagination. I think the big temptation is to say, who really cares about that? My life is now. I'll be fine. My little area is fine. That's Lex Luthor talking. This book is about what the characters mean to each other on a personal level, but it's also about what they mean to all of us and why they're enduring. They do things for each other and for us as well. They say, we're going to help you imagine how to be better versions of yourself. And I I think we're being fed a lot of bullshit about how intelligent people are inherently more cynical and cruel and care less about other people because the wealthy people in charge want us to believe that they are smart because they don't care about us. And I love that two Jewish boys from the great depression created a character that said, absolutely not. The very best of us is someone who cares about everybody and who believes in a brighter tomorrow. I do not think that it is more impressive or special to believe that everything's going to hell. I don't think you are particularly clever for being nihilistic or for being doom and gloom. It might seem like the cool thing to do to be, oh, the world's going to hell. But I disagree. I think that it is so much cooler to be imaginative and to believe in a brighter future. And that is what Superman represents to me. And Mm -hmm. that's why I think these kind of stories endure and are important. Because I genuinely believe with my entire heart that we're going to figure out how to get out of this place we're finding ourselves in. Mm-hmm. Like it might seem like we're on a dark little planet with no sunshine, but I think we can set up those lanterns for each other to help us to a brighter future as on a personal level, but then also on a societal level. Like I really believe that. Well, if our mics weren't so goddamn expensive, I would say you should drop that one, but they are expensive, so do not do that. But I could not have put that better myself, my friend. That was beautiful. It's, it's I, I really hope you do go on and finish this run, Lexi, because the whole 
focus of this book and then death metal, which serves as its epilogue. I feel like it doesn't get the credit it deserves because people talk about death metal. It's like, Oh, that's the book where Wonder woman has the chainsaw and there's the Batman who laughs. And it's the Batman who laughs. That's the thing that stands out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people miss that whole struggle in this run. The, the idea of doom versus justice. And it's something that weighs on me a lot all the time when I constantly feel like the world is voting for one or the other. And there are the moments where I feel like it is over and the world has chosen doom. Especially this week, there were moments where I felt like it was over and the world had voted for doom. But it's books like this and just the way this arc ends as a whole, giving a lot of spotlight to Wonder Woman at the end that really, really fills that promise of DC Comics, which is just hope. And this is just... Even without all those themes, this is such a fun run to begin with. You have the Legion of Doom back and actually doing Legion of Doom shit, which is so cool. By the way, quick side note, I love when they're saying goodbye to the Legion of Doom and they're like having this small moment of camaraderie and Grad's just like, I still hate you, Flash. You're still <laughs> I love that. When they were Flash. like saying nice yeah. things to their villains and then they're like, yeah, F you, man. Get out of here, Graham. <laughs> F you. I remember how many times you punched me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not over that. <laughs> yeah, but even earlier in this run, this is a Justice League run that gives big arcs to characters like Aquaman and Hawkgirl over, you know, Batman for the 80th million time. Mm-hmm. It's like Scott Snyder's like, I've done that. He'll be important, but we don't need to give him the whole arc this time. And in Justice League runs, that doesn't happen too often. So it's it's always good to see that. So that's my my little pitch for you to continue this and just go back to the beginning and check it out. You got to start with no justice in the Justice League and then into Death Metal. It's a fun ride. I, it really actually, is. Actually, I can pretty confidently say that like I probably am going to go read this one because I genuinely do love the Justice League. So, I'm in pretty deep. Ooh, yeah. I love it. Um, do we have any final things before we move into questions? Um, honestly, I'm feeling pretty confident about this conversation, so I say we yeah. can go into questions. <laughs> All right. Um, sorry. Let me pull up the questions. I was looking at the pictures. I'm sorry, everyone. Would you like me to read the first one? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, this first one comes from Tristan. Several questions. Number one, what are your favorite parts of the arc? Two, who is your favorite design to the Sixth Dimension J- Justice League? Three, did you get hyped during number 25 with Superman's biggest punch in the page of Clark, John, and Jonathan? Four, would you recommend the story? And five, how would you rate Jorge Jimenez's art on the story? Okay, awesome questions, Tristan. Thank you so much for writing in. Good news, I feel like some of these we have already covered during the um, the course of the conversation, so we can focus on the ones that we didn't. I feel like we got through our favorite parts of the arc, unless anyone has anything else they want to bring up at the moment. Speak your speak your um, words or forever hold your peace. Okay, awesome. <laughs> Two, who is your favorite design to the Sixth Dimension Justice League? Okay, wait, I forgot. I, I did I did one thing that I liked in this arc that I haven't oh, said yet. I'm okay, sorry. go for it. Go sorry. For it. I loved the parallel pages of Pa Kent telling mm. little Clark that he could not cheat while doing the lantern, mm-hmm. and then Clark later saying to John that he couldn't cheat. Like those pages were set up the exact same and it made me my heart very warm. All the flashbacks with John Kent and Clark Kent made me very excited to finally get around to reading Superman Rebirth, which I have not read ever. 
So I'm going to go learn about Dad Superman. I've never read it, yeah. and I am ready. He's a cute kid. I can't wait to watch him grow up. Um, so, so Lexi, cute. what's your favorite design of the Six Dimension Justice League? <laughs> and my goodness, you're coming. You're being toasty today. Um, I I kind of mentioned it earlier, but I do initially like that first splash of um, well, it was a splash on my phone. I don't know if it was for a real one, but of uh, the white suit Superman. Mm-hmm. That was pretty like, oh, wow. Okay, this is cool. This is really, really cool. I liked the outfit and I liked the silver fox hair or whatever. But then seeing all of them, I think Wonder Woman is my favorite. Like, I love her hair. I love, like, the cool <laughs> battle braid that it's in. Like, you can see, like, that she's obviously aged, but she looks really, really good. I love her outfit and queen. <laughs> oh, we got MILFs and DILFs Dallas. How about you? I loved the Dick Grayson Batman costume. I loved Batman's like God armor that he made. I Mm -hmm. am a full trash panda for Batman armor. Every time Batman's like, I got to crawl into this suit that has taken all of you into account. I'm like, oh, bitch. No, no. Oh, he made the suit. No. And this might be the best one ever. He climbs into it. It's got, what is the point of those wings? I don't know. Why is it 30 feet tall? I'm not sure. But it's rule of cool, baby. Also, just in general, Jorge Jimenez is designed for Hawk Girl, both current and Six Dimension. Oh, so good. His Hawk Girl is stunning. Mm-hmm. Great love character. Her. DC should give her something to do. I love the John Stewart White Lantern costume because it, it's the smallest little detail but I love that his ring is just sparking all the different colors of the emotional spectrum at all times. And I thought that was such a neat little touch. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the Flash costume, but I do like the um, like implication that it's both Wally and Barry like together because you see the like after images of both of them over each shoulder at either time. That's so cool. My favorite one, I fucking hate that I'm saying this, but it's definitely Batman. I love a, a red logo Batman. So sue me. It's good. I love a trench though. though. I love a trench moment on Batman. Like, have you ever read Batman issue 666, Anne, from the Morrison run? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Alexis, there is a flash forward to Damian Wayne as Batman in the future. Mm -hmm. And he has this badass trench. He has the coolest fucking bat costume, this trench coat moment. He's serving bat, frankly. And it's incredible. Oh, I have another fun. I have another favorite part from this mm-hmm. arc. It's short, but there's the part where Dick and Bruce are talking about how Alfred used to sneaky make tea bags into bat shapes so that Bruce would use them, and he never did. <laughs> Just- <laughs> and he named them all Justice Flavor. Yeah, they're Justice Flavor, and love and flavor I love how they got a good chuckle out of that. It's like, oh, poor Alfred. Gosh, Alfred is so great. It'd be, I wish, he, I hope he's around forever. Um, I, I need to stop. I need to stop. Okay, so um, third, did we all get hype with the biggest punch? Of course. No. Duh. Okay, yeah, I, I figured you'd be the killjoy. Would we recommend this story? Oh, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. Did the whole Justice League show up with a Green Lantern umbrella to make sure that John and Clark could set off their lanterns to remember that's a no 
That's a no. <laughs> Never read this story. It's too fun. Um, number five. How would we rate Jorge Jimenez's art on the story? Um, out of ten, Dallas, go. I would rank it best Superman splash page of all time out of ten. Mm-hmm. Lexi, mm-hmm. out of ten. Twelve. Twelve out of ten. And out of ten. A fuck yeah out of ten. Yeah. Hell yeah. Exploded planet behind him while he takes <laughs> off out of ten. You may fire when ready. Out of Superman's <laughs> fist reflected in your eyeball. Out of ten. <laughs> One punch man out of ten. Okay. Blowing through the suns out of ten. <laughs> He's incredible. Love it. Dal, you want to read the next one? Yes. Hi, all. I was so excited when I heard you were covering this, as this run of Justice League was the first series I collected month to month until I finished, and this was easily one of the best arcs from it. My question is, how would you rank this against other Justice League slash superhero stories in general? I know Snyder's run wasn't for everyone, but I absolutely loved it. Number 25 in particular has not only one of my favorite Superman sequences ever, but one of my favorite comic pages ever. Of course, as well as the art from Jimenez was just spectacular. Looking forward to hearing the episode, Joe. Joe, I always love your questions. Thanks for all the positivity you send our way. I think this run is great. It rules. Super good. Shit whips. (laughs) It's all right. Yeah. It's okay. It's all right. Listen, I've actually started loving the story more and more just listening to you two talk about it and how much you enjoy it. It's it's infectious. So it's it's quickly rising. Listen, this is a bad bitches only Justice League arc. Mm -hmm. Everyone that's like, this is too. Shut up. No, listen. Turn your stupid brain off. Engage into hot girl shit mode and roll with it. Like, this is the bimbification of the Justice League. I love it. Everything that happens in this is iconic. Everything that happens in this slays, you might even say. Every single moment is camp. I love it, Joe. I love it. You're correct in your love for it. Anyone that tells you this Justice League is incorrect they themselves incorrect is the best remember all opinions are subjective except for bad ones no. so you know take that put that on a t-shirt you're welcome all opinions are the right ones the end bingo you heard it here first from the comics collective kids i'm our changing that to the twitter bio <laughs> quote me quote me i dare you um okay any thoughts final thoughts before we move on to the next question no i think i'm good okay all right let's round it out with our last question everybody hello again members of the comics collective podcast for this week's email i'm going to keep it short and simple in the storyline of the sixth dimension we see what a hypothetical ideal justice league would look like if you could see an idolized version of another superhero team who would it be and which members would you include thanks owen not likes comics well owen if you don't like (laughs) comics why are you listening to us (laughs) <laughs> no we love you Owen. thank you for thank you for sending us a question Ooh. someone else gotta go first i gotta figure out the most gay thing i can say ah <sighs> lesbians okay <laughs> can i google can't all lesbians in the x-men oh 
I gotta say, I gotta say, whatever that book is that's floating around on Twitter right now that I keep seeing with Gambit in an X-Men team full of women, I just get flashbacks to that episode that we made where we all made up X-Men teams, and that was my team. They took it. That was my team. I literally wrote that book. Was that the, um, I think that was the Captain Marvel cover, because she has to go out to save Rogue, so she assembles like a little crackpot team, and Gambit's just tagging yes. along as the only guy. I don't guy know. I've like, seen yeah, it all over it. recently, and I was like, I wrote them. <laughs> I, I need to check for that. Thank you. I am mm. deeply excited for when we have Alexis Reed Exterminators on the show. I was just thinking the same thing. Oh my gosh. You're going to love this already. book. Cowards. Alexis, oh, we gotta, Dassler, we finish. Dassler oh, has a messy breakup. So she gets all of her girlfriends to go out and get drunk with her. And then over the course of being drunk, they find out that her ex was a vampire. And so then they decide they have to go slay all the vampires. And oh it has a parental warning on the front so they can get drunk, swear, and talk about how big a sluts they want to be. The writer <laughs> of it, in her what? notebook for ideas, she just put a bunch of hentai stickers all over it because she never wanted to forget that it was about TNA. <laughs> I've never, it's ever iconic. wanted to get a book in a hard copy more in my entire mm-hmm. life. I want that framed and put on my wall. Thank you. The first panel is Dazzler's ass. Every weekend. Oh, wow. Really? Me every yeah. weekend. Wow. I love it. Me when I sleep through the podcast. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> I was having a Dazzler day. It was a Dazzler day. Leave me alone. <laughs> okay. I... No. To answer Owen's question. Dallas. I have not read a ton of the Teen Titans. I have thought about reading the classic run. Um, they just reprinted the first omnibus, but I am woefully too many comics owned that aren't being read. So I did not allow myself to get that Omni, but I would love to see like an idealized grown up version of the Teen Titans. I think they are a great team. That original cartoon was a huge part of me falling in love with superheroes in general. So that core team from the cartoon of Teen Titans will always have a special place in my heart. Such a good show. Such a good show. I love the Teen Titans. Yeah, that and Justice League Unlimited were like my two big gateways into superheroes. Mm-hmm. I would have to say Young Young Justice, that TV show, because I was, I mean, I'm a younger generation than you, but I would say them, like those younger versions of all of the Justice League people, basically their children. We should, we should read that original Young Justice run. It's supposed to be great. All right, Chief, you got it. I want to see I want to see the idealized X-Men and that basically just means any X-Men team that lets Maggot on. Um <laughs> that's that's perfection. That's all you need in life. It's just just a little bit of Maggot. And you know, if you ever see an, a Maggot action figure like in the real world, you should always buy that for your best friends because your best friends would really appreciate that. I just think mm-hmm. that's something so special. You listen, there's no bond like a Maggot bond. And like you can never undo that. You will always look at that action figure and be like, "My friend sent me that. My friend gave me the gift of Maggot." And that's Maggot with two T's by the way. Um That's all you're getting for Christmas. Is it? <laughs> Wait. Isn't that what hmm? the British people call? Isn't that what British people call cigarettes? I thought we weren't supposed to say that. Word. No, I can say it. You can't. Ah. Oh, okay. There we go. There we. Go. Now that we've established that, I wanted to. Say, I'm thinking like the funniest. I I was thinking, what would a actual like perfect Justice League look like? You know, one that didn't send half the universe to prison. And I'm like, oh wait, that's just the Justice Society. 
that's that's literally just them. We have the better Flash there. We have the better Green Lantern there. It's perfect. So I don't I don't need one. I have mine. Damn. Or at least I would if it had a better writer. But we're not going to talk no. about that because this is a positive show and I'm having fun. We liked this book. <laughs> it's a good one. This was a good, a good book, one. everyone. Read it. Very fun. I'm glad I picked it. You nailed it. Good choice. Thanks. It was very fun. Scott, if you're listening still, we apologize. <laughs> I don't. I thought we nailed it. That was a good episode. <laughs> Just don't listen to the first eight minutes. Yeah, Tom Fury. <sighs> I apologize. I actually, I'll, I'll apologize. I'm sorry you follow me on Twitter. Sometimes I post nonsense. That's um, that's that's Love my it. bad. I was in Gremlin this weekend. It's all right. Sometimes Does anyone... I only am on Twitter during my working hours, uh, Monday through Friday, nine to five. Other than that, I'm not really on there. So mm-hmm. I always miss your weekend shenanigans, and I come in like, the fuck did she do over here? <laughs> Like a janitor every Monday morning. Yeah, what the fuck? It is. I come into Twitter like <laughs> cleaning up after the, the weekend. Shit. Like, it's like, look, look at her. You, what was she doing? If you caught my Spider-Man rain tweets this weekend, then you, you're caught up. You got everything important. You tweeted about Spider-Man rain this weekend? Yeah. On, and it was on Shabbat? On Shabbat? <laughs> God created a whole thing of rest and you used it to tweet about Spider-Man rain? When I said I went full gremlin this weekend, I'm not kidding. I couldn't be stopped. I'm actually pretty sure I started tweeting about that at like 1am one night and I'm like, I should go to bed. Go to sleep. Because I have the best idea for a Hulk rain story. Hmm? If your life comes... Alright, we're not getting into Game of I should tweet about Spider-Man at 1am. Go to bed. That's your that's your sign. If you even think about if you even think about Spider-Man, it's time to lights Just out. Go Just sleep. go to sleep. <laughs> Don't give in to temptation. Don't listen to the devil kids. I'm sorry, Dallas, see what you're saying? It's not my part to read the end credits. I'm waiting oh, for hell. CEO sorry. of the first person to read her part. <laughs> no, we're just gonna keep bullshitting no okay everyone if you like our show and want to hear more from us throughout the week please go follow our twitter account to see all of Anne's shenanigans um and to hear about our hr problems uh at the cmx collective <laughs> or our tiktok account um at the comics collective or you can find each of us at our personal twitter accounts at dallas underscore comics at Anne comics and at lexi lou underscore comics and I have a TikTok now too. I haven't uploaded anything to it yet, but I will be in this coming week. And that's just at Antox Comics. Ooh. Dallas talked me into it and Elon Musk forced me into it. So nice. here we are. You're going to like it. I like comic TikTok. I'm excited. I could TikTok. use the competition, frankly, because I'm the best there is over there. Mm. Well, I hope you know just... that I've stopped liking ours and started liking Evans. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, that's the, that's the right choice. <laughs> you can support all your friends, please. Nope, Evan. Why do you sound like a Keebler elf? Please! <laughs> support all your friends, please! I'm just here making cookies. Mm, the funny part is it's now your turn to read your part, and you're the one. Yeah, Dallas. If you enjoyed the show and want to show your support, please go to the Apple Podcast or wherever you're listening and give us a five-star review, and we will read it off on the show. Or, if you're a new listener here from TikTok, 
always let us know. It always makes my heart so happy for some reason when the little TikTokers are like, I love your show. I'm like, hell yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and finally, feel free to free to email us with your questions or comments telling us how pretty we are for the show at Comics Collective, the Comics Collective at gmail.com. And we will all see you next week for our insert episode next week's name. Oh, yeah, that one's mine. Okay, Mm -hmm. so I just decided this during the show because we were talking about it, but we're definitely going to read Kieran Gillen's Darth Vader run. (gasps) I'm not here next week. That's funny as hell. That is funny as hell. I'm not going to be here for that episode. Yes. (gasps) Screw you, Dallas. Good job, girlies. That actually is the best time to do it, Anne. You and I are going to (sighs) go off. I'm so excited. You know, (laughs) it's... um, We can save it. I can save it for mine. You want to save it for yours? You can. It's up to you. It's your decision. I don't know. Dallas is way too happy about getting out of Star Wars. And I completely forgot that he's off next week. Mm, you want to do Galaxy? <gasps> yes. We can. We can do Galaxy. Perfect. I, I haven't read that one yet. I will be sad to miss Galaxy, Galaxy. But mm-hmm. I will write a very good question. Because I love Galaxy. I think that's a great book. Mm-hmm. Very excited to talk about it. Beautiful. And oh my gosh, the yeah. year's almost over. <gasps> All right. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. That's it. Cool. Bye. Bye. Bye.